Welcome to Channel Waves, the podcast where channel leaders share success strategies, best practices, and emerging trends. Brought to you by Structured Web. Here's your host, Stephen Kellum. Welcome, everybody, to Structured Web's podcast. It's about everything in the channel, and I'm your host, Stephen Kellum. Throughout the year, we're going to bring you information about the channel, information about marketing, things that can help you drive your business and be successful. And we couldn't think of a better place to start with, how does marketing help drive revenue in a down economy? We're going to run a series on this for, for several weeks, and we're going to start off, and actually, I'm very excited to start off with our guest, Jay McBain. I can't think of a better person to talk about the value of marketing automation and down economy. Welcome, Jay. Well, thanks for having me. I'm truly excited. You know, I reached out to Jay specifically for a couple of reasons. One, uh, he knows everybody in the channel and has his pulse on what's going on. So a couple of things, Jay. Normally, I would say you don't really need an introduction, but there might be someone out there who hasn't met you, isn't following you. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, your journey recently and just a little bit about yourself and, and then we'll kind of jump into the topic. Yeah, absolutely. I've been in the channel for 28 years in, in different aspects uh, on probably every side of the channel. Uh, just jumped over to Canalis, which is actually the world's largest channel focused analyst firm. So I wake up now with uh, over a hundred people in other countries of the world who all they think about are channels and partnerships and alliances and ecosystems. So very exciting for me. And the, the level of channel, mar channel marketing uh, information and talent that we have inside the company, on top of you know, what I bring from the past in terms of going deep into TCMA through channel marketing automation, the industry, doing things like reports on you know, stack ranking the best of the best, talking to thousands of clients on, on how they do it, surveying millions of people in terms of how it works and, and what are the challenges and things like that. So, you know, I love to talk about this subject. But we're going to kind of keep it simple and, and kind of get right to the point. So I think the first question is, you know, Jay, what do you see the value of channel marketing automation in today's world, in particular in the, in the down economy? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the benefit of channel marketing, obviously, is, is you know, two different companies, a vendor and a partner of some way or, and a distributor will all be doing their own marketing. If that could be coordinated, if that can be brought together, in other words, that all three aren't competing for Google AdWords and paying a higher price because they're bidding up the cost. Uh, if there's not three unique emails that hit a certain customer's inbox at the exact same time with three different sets of language uh, and just the overall um, management monitoring and measurement of, of all those different pieces are incredibly important. And, and we talk a lot about automation and, and right. being able to do this at scale in a way that's protected in terms of what your brand and your brand guidelines are. And just, uh, you know, from a data perspective, being able to generate, you know, mountains of very useful data to be able to analyze and, and become more productive, predictive, and prescriptive in how you run your channel organization and how partners work with you at scale. So uh, let's break that down in, into partners, right? If I'm a partner, you know, what's the opportunity there? From my perspective, having been a partner before, look, I would look at this as an opportunity to take market share. I would look at this as an opportunity if I'm a small or mid-sized partner to look bigger, to, to take the digital transformation piece and take marketing automation to the next level and basically win business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge revenue aspect to this. And, you know, the world is changing. Your buyer is changing pretty significantly, as we know all know uh, in every industry. Uh, we know that um, 
the, the partners themselves, again, cross industry, whether you're talking about dealerships or agents or resellers or retailers or whichever uh, example you want to talk about, the, there's movement there as well. But the, the world is shifting. The marketing world is shifting. A couple of weeks ago, you had the new MarTech stack that, uh, that came out, and now it has 9,932 MarTech and AdTech companies on there. So there's a lot of moving pieces. And one of the biggest changes is this hyper-local uh, importance of marketing, marketing to, through, and with those partners that have that local uh, voice. And, and the reason in you know, modern marketing lexicon is companies like Google, companies like Facebook or Meta now, um, all of the kind of the marketing engines are all hyper-local. They assume, regardless of what you want to do as a consumer, they assume you want kind of like an oil change. And they're only going to give you results for within five miles of where you're doing that search or where you're having that conversation. So all the big vendors that are trying to do this internationally and stuff get lost off of page one. And it's literally your local partner that's within five miles of that conversation or search is the one that's winning. So this is where you know the world's changing and Vendors have to get smarter and, and distributors supporting them have to get smarter in, in terms of how to execute that local marketing uh, much better than they have in the past. Through channel marketing automation has been around for a while. But, you know, Jay, there's still partners who haven't adopted it or don't see the value or haven't engaged with it. Are they afraid? Do you think they don't have the resources? What do you think the reason behind why partners wouldn't just jump on this bandwagon? I look back on myself and I would go, if someone could have brought me something like that to help me efficiently market, I would have jumped all over it. Yeah. So, you know, we actually asked the question and the answer is 66% of partners cross industry. And, and you can look at any kind of um, third party uh, partner you may have. 66% of them fall into the category of do it for me or do it on behalf of me. Two slightly I, different, you know, riffs on it, but two thirds yeah. of your audience, you know, either don't have the time, they don't have the skill, don't have the resources or money. They don't have the, uh, and in many cases, they just don't have the belief. They may have built their business for decades themselves on word of mouth. You know, they don't need fancy email and social and search and syndicated content. And they don't need all these, you know, fancy tools because they've always done it on their own. And you mentioned the economy. We're going through some significant macroeconomic challenges um, hitting us, you know, from all different angles. And, and most partners now are at that point that maybe I can't do it, you know, the way that I've done it in the past. Maybe this word of mouth, now that within four years, my majority customer is turning into a millennial. These are digital natives that don't go through that early journey of buying something in the same way they did before. So you know, perhaps they're, um, they're, they're coming to this, you know, conclusion that they do need help and they just don't know how. And that's why TCMA has always been somewhat uh, partnered up with services, with concierge, like white glove services, with some kinds of back-end creative to backfill that two-thirds of partners who, you know, either don't have the time, money, or belief th that they ought to be doing it. Yeah, but I, I think if they, I believe if they look at this today, there's such a great opportunity to take advantage of, of something like that. Um, one, as you said, the world has changed quite a bit on who their buyer is. 
And I think the people who adopt that and, and embrace it and, and work with it um, are, are going are, are gonna to take business because I think it's their buyers, as you said, are, are changing and how they want to buy is completely different. Yeah, absolutely. TCMA works for partners if they'll adopt it, if they'll engage, and if they'll do it. So how do vendors make that work? What advice can we give to vendors to, to do that? Uh, you know, Daniel Neeson, who's the founder here, created this five C's where he's talking about the ability to create, connect, communicate, convert, and then calculate and ways for vendors to think about how they engage with those partners. What do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, vendors have to kind of look at two parts of, of their channel. And if you could say that one third of the channel that, you know, does prefer the self-service, they, they have a strong belief in marketing. They may have a dedicated marketing team. If it's a larger partner, um, you've got to serve them with the best, most powerful tools possible. You know, their teams may have used in the past, like the Marketos or Eloquas or Pardots or HubSpots of the world for their direct marketing. And having that power within your through channel marketing platform and being able to deliver at that same level of, you know, point and click and drag and drop and having the rules engines and the no code, low code ways of doing this. It's good. I mean, this is a big benefit to those um, one third of partners. For the two thirds, though, you've got to figure out what that play is, is how can you either invite them in to this very easy to use, easy to deploy, um, almost set it and forget it type of um, platform, or how can you nudge them and, and give them maybe a little bit of a human assist you know, to, to doing that? And if you can strike both of those uh, parallel swim lanes, you're going to have a lot of success driving revenue, driving pipeline, driving customer retention using these uh, using these tools. And when you say nudge, I think that's a, there are a couple of ways to look at that. I come from an incentive background. You know, how does TCMA play in the ecosystem, right? You you got the PRM where they come in and then you got the TCMA. But I think when you say nudge, I think, you know, how do we use MDF dollars effectively in something like this? How do we use rewards for behavior modification to get partners to start to do a little bit of a digital transformation and actually learn, execute, and measure, right? I think that's the beginning of a marketing certification program. Yeah. So you mentioned the word ecosystems. Like one of the biggest changes happening for pretty well every listener um, as they think about their channel, it is so much more than that transacting resale-based channel. You know, I haven't met a vendor in, in months that, you know, has, you know, recruiting a bunch more resellers as, as one of their top 10 lists. The fact of the matter is in ecosystem, we know a lot more about buyers. We know a lot more about their journey. And, and all of that knowledge now actually benefits channel marketing automation. Because we know that that buyer goes through 28 individual unique moments before making vendor selection. We know the best direct marketing teams on the planet. Even if your partner's large, fortune-sized, and has a great direct marketing team, they may only get into three or four of those moments. And we're in a post-cookie world, which is another major change in channel marketing automation, sure. where in the past, I mentioned the 9,000 MarTech or AdTech tools you could buy, which basically take privacy data, because on the internet, you're the product. But in the end of cookie, which Apple has already implemented and Google is just implementing, they have 99% mobile share between them. They have 86% desktop browsing share. At the end of the cookie, there's going to be no information available to vendors through any tool 
of what those 28 moments are and what you're doing in between those moments. So directionally, it becomes a channel problem. It becomes a partnership opportunity to go make partnerships, say, with those 24 owners of those moments. And so that might be an ebook, it might be an event, it could be an association. I mean, there's all kinds of 30 different things it could be. But in these moments, and, and that moment owner, if it could be delivered through a structured web, it means that the quality of that moment increases. The five C's you just went through, but the measurement, the monitoring, and the management right. of those moments. And so if I have a partnership person in that marketing conversation and they say, hey, I can go find 10 more moments, and we've got four, four of them drive, that means that we're at 14 now. We've, we've actually got line of sight to an incentives perspective to start paying for the point of value instead of paying at the point of sale. The problem with MDF and the problem with all channel incentives for 40 years now is they've all been paid out in gross to nets at that point of sale. You pay a front end margin, you pay a bunch of back end margin, bonuses, rebates, commissions, spiffs, et cetera. Well, in this world now of, first of all, the buying is changing in terms of how much is you know, bought through resale versus marketplaces versus direct. Um, and that's changing significantly in the subscription consumption world. But in those moments, if you can actually work together and see those moments, experience those moments, share the data and be able to attribute those moments and know what that ebook led to in terms of your chance of winning the deal. At the point of sale, what ends up happening is you overpay half your partners who may have shown up late, not done the marketing, not done the sales, not done the engineering, and they pick up the order. And you hear those complaints from your direct sales reps who might've done more of the work. Where you never hear is those partners that did everything and you want a deal in your sleep. Your, your, your direct reps don't complain about that because they were never involved. And now you're underpaying that partner who's closing deals in your sleep. And so just this problem with paying at the point of sale and where almost every company I talk to now is looking to pay at the point of value. And if I could use a, a channel marketing automation platform, if I can understand those moments, if I can see more of them, it changes everything. And in a subscription consumption model now, that point of sale is the first 30 days with the customer. While still important, it's about one third the importance that it used to be. So paying all the money there doesn't make sense. If I could pay one third of the dollars before the point of sale and use a platform, a channel marketing automation platform to do that. If I could pay for transaction assist, so you don't even have to collect the customer's money. In a marketplace example, 24% of marketplace activity and, and actual deals closed, the buy button pressed is done by a third party. So if I can start paying for transaction assist or partner assist during even a direct deal, and it doesn't rely on that partner taking the customer's money. That's the second stage of this. The third stage is when the fun starts is every 30 days forever. You know, now you have a customer for life, your business, there's a 76% chance your business, your CEO and board are taking you into a subscription consumption model. And now you need to drive adoption and you need to pay for that point of value. You need to drive stickiness and deeper integration or habit forming. You got to pay for those moments. And then you've got to drive upsell, cross-sell, and enrichment. Because guess what? Your, your target, your retention target is 108% for 
for every customer you lose, you got to go double up a current customer. And so marketing now isn't a pre-sales activity. It's a pre, during, and post-sales activity. It actually touches your customer for the lifetime of the customer and your ability to automate that and have a window into that on a day in and day out basis, you know, becomes not a nice to have. It just becomes an absolute need to have in the mark tech stack, as well as your channel tech stack. Totally agree. We just wrote a white paper called why is now the time to stop chasing new logos only, right? And it's all about exactly what you're talking about. And how do we get partners to market to their existing base? Because there's cross-sell, there's upsell. And then for the vendors, there's an opportunity to actually get a new logo for them, even though it's an existing logo for the partner. So I think it all ties in and we're seeing a big shift on that. So my question to you is, how do vendors get partners to start to engage on this? I mentioned the marketing certification program, and I've had interesting conversations with Jay about, with vendors about, you know, how far down the path do they have to go? What do they really have to do for partners? And I said, well, depends on depends on what you want them to do, right? You know, a, a traditional marketing certification program was, you know, I reward a partner for learning about what marketing skills they need to do for executing, trying to run some campaigns, for measuring them. But I do think the interesting piece what you talked about is now a marketing certification is to continue to keep doing those things, and particularly on the subscription program. And interestingly enough, I asked several vendors and I was talking to them about, do you run a marketing certification program? And several said, yes, yes, we do. And then they came back and said, well, we don't actually run a certification for this. We don't, we don't really do it like we would product or like we would do sales certifications. And I think it's kind of interesting where marketing to me could be the hugest differentiator at the beginning, the middle, and the end of the sale, but there's a reluctance to call it a certification, to put those rewards behind it, and they're still stuck in product and sales certifications. I don't understand why they wouldn't look at them all as being equal. Or maybe yeah, this is even more important. Yeah, the big change is happening now. And you know, again, for 40 years, we ran very resale-focused programs you know, based on gross-to-net type incentives. We you know, looked at that point of sale as everything. When you take the walk back, the ecosystem soliloquy I just had, when you take a step back from that and, and you look at the different points of value you can pay on instead of the point of sale, the marketing certification, the marketing points of value, there is sales points of value, there's product and technical points of value. But if you convert a gold, silver, bronze reseller anchored program, and move it over into a point system. And the first big company did it, which was Microsoft earlier this year. And you'll notice that in their algorithm to make 70 points, which is their new gold standard, which they don't call it gold anymore, uh, but to make that 70, it's very difficult to do that as a reseller. And they started to break out some of these certification programs and they started to look at these points of value. And by the way, they put about two thirds of the points post-sale. Right. So this whole point about Microsoft getting a customer for life, they're putting their money where their mouth is, and they're starting to spread that, you know, what was once the point of sale, they're spreading those dollars like peanut butter. And smart partners are picking up on these different certification programs, picking up on this idea that the more of our activity that is visible to Microsoft and we can earn points for, the more money we're going to make programmatically. 
but the more um, visibility we're going to gain within that huge ecosystem. There's 400 new partners joining every day. How mm. do we get differentiation in such a big universe? Well, these are the kind of places. Marketing certification programs is one of those areas that um, we can really drive points. We can really drive value for the customer. And Microsoft, in this case, is going to reward us for that. Okay. Final thought on this. Last thought. Maybe perhaps a prognostication. You know, how do you see channel marketing automation or channel automation in general playing out in companies with different routes to market, right? You, you mentioned subscription. We can talk about PLG. We can talk about automation. You know, does it play out the same in all these route to market and different sort of vendors? Yeah. So the, the future of this, I think, is, is number one, there's not product uh, partner types anymore. You don't have an MSP, you know, marketing certification, you know, channel automation plan. And then move that to be different for VARs, SIs, ISVs. You know, there's 20 different kinds of partners. Companies are starting to move now into swim lanes, into different motions or roles the partners play. It could be more of a technology alliance, co-innovation, value creation, network effects, strategic and business alliances are two more swim lanes. This influencer style channel that we just talked about, the 28 moments, the retention style channel every 30 days forever. And the transaction and transaction assist channels. So, you know, many companies, over a dozen companies now have an ecosystem chief that are running against those six swim lanes. They're hiring six vice presidents to run after them. One of them would have been that channel chief of days gone by. And of those six, it's six different conversations for structured web and for everyone in the channel marketing automation industry. You're having six different conversations. How do I market to, through, and with a technology alliance, like an embedded technology, like an IoT company or an ISV? How do I work with an Accenture who has 700,000 people in a marketing department that will make yours as a vendor look like shame? How do I work with an affiliate, an ambassador, and an advocate, an affinity-style partner, an influencer who doesn't care about anything else? And it could be just a, a small referral fee of, um, or nothing. It could be a baseball cap and a leather seat in the front row of your uh, your uh, event. How do I care about these every 30 days forever? These integrators, implementers, installers, security type, th- compliance type folks, legal type folks. How do I care about all these rest? And it's all by roles. And you're going to have six different conversations about channel marketing with six different people, with six different KPIs. And that's the future of where this industry is going. Jay, thank you. Really appreciate you taking some time with us today, especially on our inaugural event. Very cool to have you. Great data as always. And I appreciate the branding, the black and and the red, very apropos. So part of this is about learning. Part of this is about getting connected. So if anyone out there isn't connected with you, what's the best way to to make that happen? Uh, Well, I think I'm everywhere. So uh, if if you (laughs) want to hit me up on social media or or uh, send me an email. Uh, all my information is is out there. Happy to ask answer any questions or you know drop any numbers. But uh, as we started off, this is truly exciting. It really is a change in this industry after decades. And uh, you know, I think the conversations um, going forward are pretty exciting conversations. Thanks for joining us. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Channel Waves Podcast, brought to you by Structured Web. If there's a topic you would like discussed or have questions, please reach out to us at channelwaves at structuredweb.com.